So I have only got a short sermon, so you're sweet. <laughs> but um, I don't know about um, everybody else, but I've had a pretty full-on week. Um, it's not been a bad week, it's just been pretty busy. So um, I'm just going to open with a little prayer to help me recenter, and um, after all of that excitement, maybe help you just to recenter as well, and you're not thinking about standing up and what do people think of your dance actions, so I just pray. Father God, I just thank you that you, um, that you love us, Lord. I thank you that you are in us, Lord, and around us, and that you surround us with your peace, Father. Um, I really do pray that you would just, um, these words that you've given me to speak, Lord, that they would touch those that need to hear them, Lord, that you would bless them, Lord, and that you would all just help us, Father, as we move forward in this life that you have given us, Lord. Amen. Right, kia ora, no my hari mai. My name is Janet, for those of you who don't know who I am. Um, today it's my turn to continue with the I Am series of, um, I won't call it a sermon because I think that's a bit official. My little, I'm having a chat today um, about the resurrection and the light. And the life, sorry, I better get the right thing. So the first, now this is a, this is a picture, um, guess who painted this? Yep, absolutely, a picture by Van Gogh. Um, I'm assuming the guy there who's lying, looking like he's half awake or half dead is Lazarus. So that is about the story about Lazarus, Mary and Martha. But the previous two weeks we've had um, Colin talking about the bread of life. And Chiron last week with the light of the world. And so, me, um, you're going to find the story that I'm going to tell you about in John chapter 11. Um, you'll probably, the actual I am the resurrection and the life is verse 25. But you can follow along with the story. And if I get anything wrong, I am available for critiquing after the sermon. So, um, but before we start, um, on our, in our cell group on Thursday night, we were doing all sorts of weird and wonderful things as we usually do in our cell group, um, and this little snippet of information came up that apparently a quarter of Christians in a BBC poll don't believe in the resurrection. Okay, so that's, um, just ponder that as we move on. So the story behind this I am statement is a rather sad and emotional one. If you recall, Martha and Mary are friends of Jesus. We meet them first in Luke, in chapter 10, when Jesus came to their house in Bethany in Judea. Now, Martha was the one who was concerned with getting everything right, preparing all the food, making sure the house was tidy, laying out all the plates, making sure everybody had cups of tea and all of those sorts of things, whereas all Mary wanted to do was sit at the feet of Jesus. We're going to return to them now in chapter 11 of John. As it turns out, Martha and Mary have a brother called Lazarus. I was trying to figure out what the family dynamics were, and it's not really clear. It appears as if maybe Martha and Mary were independent women um, who had a little bit of money, obviously, because, well, they had this lovely house. Um, but also they may have been widows or they may never have married, whatever. But they had this, other, they had this brother called Lazarus, who by all accounts was a much-loved brother, um, not just by them, but according to John, a dear friend of Jesus's as well. And that brings us to our first slide. Well, our second slide, actually. Slide two. Yes. Just, I just have to point out that the PowerPoint presentation today is purely for the benefit of Adrian, because he had a little moan yesterday that I wasn't going to do any pictures, so I had to find some for him. <laughs> 
And then I thought, well, Lego might suit a few other special people. <laughs> so here comes the sad and emotional bits. Unfortunately, Lazarus got sick, really sick, sick to the point of death. Now, Martha and Mary were obviously really concerned about this. So they, they knew Jesus, they knew about his amazing healing power, so they decided to send for him. Well, it just so happened that Jesus was in another region, but when he got the message, he felt confident that Lazarus' illness wouldn't mean his death. In fact, he said that what was going to happen would bring glory to God and to the Son. So he stayed put. He didn't rush off and heal Lazarus. He waited an additional two days. Next slide. There he is, just lazing about. Now, as an aside, the disciples were a little bit worried about Jesus heading back to Judea, and with good reason. Last time he was there, the people had wanted to kill him. I would imagine also that the disciples may have felt that their well-being was at risk too. After all, they hung around with Jesus quite a bit. But Jesus assured them that all would be well, that they were walking with the light. He then commented that Lazarus had fallen asleep. Now, one thing I often find in the Bible is when Jesus talks, the disciples don't seem to listen very well. Um, in fact, they tend to only hear what had been said rather than trying to understand what Jesus actually meant. Jesus didn't mean that Lazarus was asleep. He meant that he had died. But then you get to think, well, hang on a minute. Jesus had said that all would be good, that Lazarus wasn't going to die. So poor, poor Lazarus, for a start, he's dead. Poor Martha and poor Mary. I can imagine that if I was in their situation and I was one of those sisters, I would have been feeling a little bit let down by now. I, they had expressed a belief that Jesus could come and save Lazarus, but it hadn't happened. So what's going on? Next slide. Meanwhile, back with the disciples, Jesus was busy explaining, Lazarus died. And I'm glad for your sakes that I wasn't there. You're about to be given new grounds for believing. So let's go. When Jesus finally got there, he found Lazarus had died four days ago. Now, this is actually quite significant because the Hebrews believed that the soul hovered over the body for the first three days. So if you were dead for four days or more, you were actually really dead. Um, Martha had heard, as, as this happened, Martha heard that Jesus was coming, and so she went out to meet him while Mary remained at home. Next slide. So I have been trying to make sense a little bit, thinking about Martha when we first met her, and now, because now Martha says to Jesus that if he had arrived earlier, Lazarus wouldn't have died. But even so, she believed that whatever he asked of God, he would do. So here's Martha, who has been more concerned with appearances, more concerned with doing things the right way. But now, is she saying that she believes Jesus is capable of petitioning God for anything, maybe even restoring her brother to her? Jesus' response is perhaps not quite the one that Martha is looking for. He comments that Lazarus will be raised up, which Martha interprets as resurrection at the end of time. And then Jesus says to her, you don't have to wait that long. I am right now resurrection and life. If you believe in me, even if you do die, you will live. 
And if you live and believe, you will not die. Do you believe? Martha's confession of faith is made complete. She says, yes, Master, all along I have believed that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into this world. Does Martha truly believe that Jesus can raise Lazarus from the dead? Or is she still believing in life hereafter? Either way, Martha returns home, finds Mary, and tells her that Jesus is asking for her. Mary rushes to where Jesus is, followed by a group of mourners. She falls at the feet of Jesus and says that only if he had arrived earlier, he could have saved Lazarus. Is Mary so overwhelmed, sorry, is Mary so overwhelmed by grief that she feels there is no hope left? The next slide. Jesus is deeply moved by Mary's words, and he asks her where they put Lazarus' body. Mary takes him to the tomb, and then Jesus starts crying. Now, everyone around thinks that Jesus is weeping because Lazarus died. And remember, Jesus did love Lazarus. But is he really crying about this? Jesus had a plan. He knows what he's about to do next because he's already read ahead in the chapter. So why does he weep? So possibly Jesus wept for himself. As I say, he knows what's going to happen, not only next with Lazarus, but next for him. So he knows what he's going to go through, and he knows perhaps what his friends are going to go through as he goes through that. But he probably also weeps because those that he loves, right here, right now, are suffering. Martha and Mary and their family and friends are grieving. Jesus could have come earlier. He could have healed Lazarus. But he waited. And this meant that those he loved felt the pain of grief. In this case, it was necessary because what happened next was pretty spectacular. Now, just to point out, Lazarus was not the first person that Jesus raised from the dead. In Luke 7, he raises a widow's son. And in Luke 8, he raises the daughter of Jairus. But Lazarus, who's been dead four days, is the most dead. His corpse is beginning to decay. And I won't be too graphic, but I did look up how long a body starts decomposing after death. And yep, he would have been a bit smelly by now. Oh, slide seven, here we go. <laughs> now, Jesus hears the voices of the people around him questioning, why didn't you save Lazarus? You've healed all these other people. And this is where Jesus chooses this time to demonstrate he is I am. He asked for the stone to be removed from the tomb. Mary seems to forget her declaration of faith and trust that she made earlier and says, that, but it's going to be smelly. But Jesus reminds her that all she needs to do is believe and she will see the glory of God. Jesus raises his eyes to heaven and prayed, Father, I'm grateful that you have listened to me. I know that you do always listen, but on account of this crowd standing here, I have spoken so that they might believe you sent me. Next slide. And then he shouted, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out, a cadaver wrapped from head to toe in his death robes, but alive. Now, 
there are a few things going on here in this story. Obviously, Jesus is pretty neat. But what we know about Jesus is that the things he does, he does for a reason. Way back in the book of Exodus, when Moses was called by God to lead the Hebrews out of Jesus. No, sorry, (laughs) get that right. When Moses was called by God to lead the Hebrews out of Egypt, he asked who should he say had sent him. God's reply was to say that I am has sent you. Over the centuries, I am became one of the names that God was known by. The almighty, the all-powerful creator, maker of heaven and earth. So here's Jesus making these statements about who he is. I am. Jesus uses the feeding of the crowd, the woman caught in adultery, and the bringing back to life of Lazarus to try and show those around him just who he is. God. When I think about Martha and Mary, I see so much of me and us in them. Martha wasn't sure Jesus could do anything about Lazarus's earthly death. And Mary basically told Jesus off for not coming to the rescue in the first place. Like us, one minute we're loudly proclaiming that through Jesus all things are possible. That Jesus is God and able to, able to do wondrous and mighty works. And the next, we're complaining that things aren't going the way we want in the time frame we want them. And yet through it all, Jesus still loved Martha and Mary just as he does us. Yes, in the end, the story had a happy ending for Martha, Mary and Lazarus, but they still had to go through the pain and anguish before Lazarus was resurrected. And fairly soon, they're going to have to go through that all again when Jesus is killed. Now, it's here that I have to voice some thoughts about this. Grief sucks. Sorrow, pain, and anguish suck. And it's all around us. Even though we are the precious and loved God of children, we don't get a golden ticket that excludes us from it. We all know the sorrows of losing a loved one, of dealing with sickness, of relationship breakdowns and life, mental illness, job losses, financial concerns and sadness. It's all around us. And at times, that sorrow can overwhelm us. There has to be a better way to live. Sorry. (laughs) The resurrection of Lazarus showed Jesus' power over death and decay. It was a forerunner of what was to happen when he was killed but it's also about us and our own hope of resurrection. Jesus is the better way to live. Remember, Jesus loves us. He demonstrated it when he wept for the pain Mary felt, and I believe he weeps for us when we suffer. Jesus wants to give us another way, a better way. If you believe in me, you will live. Yes, in heaven with him when we die, but also now. I cannot hear this I am statement without thinking about what he said in John 10.10 just shortly before this miracle. I have come that you may have life and life in all its fullness. God knows that grief sucks. He knows that there are going to be times in our life that sorrow seems so overwhelming, but he doesn't want us to wallow in it. He wants us to have life, to live a resurrected life, to learn to trust and to know that sorrow may come into our lives but it doesn't have to last. And just as there was a lesson to be learnt from Lazarus's death and resurrection, we too can take the sorrow and the grief we feel and turn it to good. 
There are things happening in my life that I don't wish were happening. But I can make a choice here. I can choose to focus on that, or I can choose to believe that I am a child of God, loved and chosen by him. I believe that my sorrows can be used for good. And I also believe that God wants me to have life, both now and in the future. Would I rather have a life that doesn't involve a measure of pain and sorrow? Of course, absolutely. But I also know that I wouldn't be the person I am today without going through those challenges. I have to trust God when he says that all things work for good for those who love him. It's okay to find joy in life, even in the midst of sorrow. God does want to turn your weeping into joy. I didn't actually think I was going to get this emotion, but that's okay. Um, And as for the quarter of Christians who don't believe in the resurrection, well, I actually feel a little bit sorry for them because the resurrection just isn't about dying and coming back to life. It's about living, living a life with God. The love Jesus gives brings life to those who are dead, those who suffer. This is achieved through his resurrection and through ours. Just like Martha, we need to believe that whatever happens, God is with us and for us. But I do need to acknowledge that at times this is really hard. Sometimes, like Mary, we do need to throw ourselves in front of Jesus and weep. And if you're in that place at the moment, and it's too hard to bear on your own, reach out. Reach out to God, reach out to a friend, to a doctor, to someone you trust. Don't feel like you have to do this on your own. You were made for life in all its fullness. And I'm just going to finish with um, some words from a song. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to sing it, and you can't see the, see the last line, but um, I'll just read this for you. When life is heavy and my strength is faint, there's beauty for ashes, there's joy in my pain. Here in the quiet, I will wait for your hope to appear. Near in my trials, near in my fears, forever faithful, God, you're in my tears. Your love is loyal. I will wait for your hope to appear. We are wrapped in resurrection. You have clothed us in your glory. Now our hearts are no longer wandering. You have become our sanctuary. That's it. <laughs> Church is over. I think we could all do it with a cup of tea. <laughs> so um, thank you for coming. Um, teas and coffees over there. Sweet. Go for it. <laughs>